Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, John O'Brien, from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you live from the Quandle Studio, and today we picked up the Quandle Studio and we shipped it to Rock Lidditz. So we are in Rock Lidditz today in good old, I believe, Lebanon County. But my fellow co-host will correct me there. We're, we're, not in, we're in Lancaster County, right? Lan- That's right. Lancaster. That is right. Okay. Home of the Amish. All right. Good. The Fighting Amish yes. of Lancaster County, yes. <laughs> Joined as always, my fellow co-host and Amish lover, Chris Martin. Chris, how are we doing, brother? <laughs> John, that might be your best intro yet, I think, of all the 100-plus episodes. John, it's good to see you again, and I'm glad that we are in Rock Lidditz, and we're having some good meetings about not only the podcast, but also the Keystone Contractor Magazine. For everyone, my name is Chris Martin, and I am co-host with John and president of Atlas Marketing, and we tell stories for people who build things, and... I really don't think I'm going to be able to get over that Amish lover comment. So I, thank you for that. I'm, now I have visions of uh, shepherd's pie in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of visions that aren't supposed to be in our heads. Right now, man. Um, and, and, and I hate to say this, but th- now we have to introduce our guests. So the poor guy's probably going, what the hell am I getting? What did I sign up for? You know? <laughs> great. <It's> great. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jesse. Jesse McCree from SCPA Works, South Central Pennsylvania Works. I've gotten to know Jesse the past couple years. Great industry leader. Um, I believe he uh, may have had some shepherd's pie in the past. I'm not sure. We're going to check him and ask him that question right off the bat. But Jesse, welcome to the show. I've got my credentials. I've got, thank you. Thank you. Lots of shepherd's pie in my background. Okay, good. John, thanks for for the intro. Great to to be with you guys today. And we're talking about one of our favorite topics and one of your favorite topics, and that's workforce development. Chris and I always love talking about it. And and you've been been way too kind. Chris mentioned the magazine earlier. You've been Way too kind, sharing your wisdom with the Keystone Contractor Magazine. You, you provided some some good nuggets of information to us. So on behalf of the KCA, I just want to thank you for that and value our partnership and looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, John. And and the uh, the partnership that we've built with, with you and KCA has been outstanding. You're a great part of our, our board, uh, providing your insight and leadership uh, for workforce development. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to share with you guys a little bit about what we're working on here too. So Jesse, if I can make just one quick suggestion, when you have John on your board, please don't allow him to introduce other board members because <laughs> you're going to end up completely throwing everything off. Well, one, one thing too that I haven't told John is that I actually had a uh, little stand-up routine prepared for this podcast, depending on you know how off the rails it got. So hope, hopefully we don't have to get to that point. We can stay on topic. So I want to get to that point. So hopefully we get off topic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just a bunch of dad jokes. That's all I've got. (laughs) Those are the best. (laughs) Before we get to the dad jokes, let's talk a little workforce development. Real quick, like tell our audience who is Jesse and and what is SCPA? What's that all about? Yeah, I'll I'll start with the organization. So South Central PA Works is a a regional workforce development board that serves eight counties in South Central Pennsylvania. There are actually, I think about 500 workforce boards across the country. So we are not unique to this region, but really workforce boards are 
public-private partnerships that connect employers and job seekers. And we really act as an intermediary to be able to provide funding, training, education, and programs uh, to be able to connect job seekers and learners to the jobs that are available. So we have a really exciting job to do because as a public-private partnership, we get to act in this really interesting nexus point between employer demand and job seekers. So we invest in, we evaluate, we advance workforce programs really from youth all the way up to career transitions and adult workers and really spanning across all of the high demand sectors and industries across our region, of which building trades, construction is is one of many in demand um, sectors. So this organization has been around for about 30 years or so in in various iterations. Um, I've been CEO there for about six years, actually coming up on my six-year anniversary. And uh, I tell you what, it's really exciting work because as you guys both know, you know, the, the labor market has changed so much just in the past five or 10 years, and it's really dynamic. So we have an interesting position to be able to align uh, federal and state dollars to what really works in workforce development. And we measure that in a lot of different ways, but primarily it's what are employers looking for in terms of skills, knowledge, and abilities that they're hiring for, and then taking that intelligence and putting it right back into training programs, education programs to make sure that the job seekers have the skills that they can uh, compete with. So, and there's there's a lot lot more we can dig into about apprenticeships, about work experience, and sort of career awareness around building trades and, and construction. And so, happy to talk about any of those. But it's obviously a it's a it's a huge uh, field to be in, but it's really exciting work. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, first off, Jesse, congratulations on six years. You're coming up on a nice anniversary, so that's a that's a big that's a nice milestone there. So, congratulations. But can you tell us a little bit of some of you know some of the trends that you're seeing on your side of the table that would be helpful to our listeners and, and you know and you know industry owners or uh, industry leaders? Yeah, so it's a it's a great question, Chris. So there's a couple couple headlines that are probably you know pretty well understood by a lot of the listeners, but just to to retread some of that ground, I mean, the term that we use is this demographic drought, right? And it kind of sums up the fact that there are more jobs than there are workers available. That has been going on actually for a while. I think to some degree, the tight labor market over the past five years pre-COVID. That was all part of the narrative. I think all COVID did is it just catalyzed that and it amplified it a little bit. But we have something like 12 million uh, open jobs across the country right now and growing. The demographics just don't match up. There aren't enough people to fill those jobs. And I believe that that is structural and not cyclical. And by that, I mean, if it's cyclical, it means, hey, wait another 18 months or 36 months. And depending on the economic conditions, a recession may come in and and the game changes again. Uh, but I actually, that's more cyclical. I believe it's really structural. There just aren't enough people being born. Uh, there are not enough students graduating K through 12 uh, to get into the workforce. And so that is particularly relevant to this industry that we're in right now, because there has been a drought of workers for a lot longer than five or 10 years. So that also then leads to this idea of the perceptions uh, around the industry that I'm sure has been, you know, well, well trod ground. But the changing nature of what this industry is, what it takes to get into it, who it's a it's a good fit for, career awareness and exposure to the different career pathways, I think is a really critical part of this as well, right? So everything from micro, but what was that, uh, 14 years ago is when he came out with Dirty Jobs, you know, that whole narrative of building about what, you know, manual labor, blue collar jobs are, has really, has really shifted. 
And I think that's actually a positive thing. It's difficult to measure that sort of sentiment, but I think we are seeing a shift that younger people are at least more aware of, of these jobs that are out there. So you have the demographic drought, you have the changing nature of the perceptions of this industry. And then I think another big one too, just to, just to round it out with an, uh, with an even three, is this idea of earning while you learn. Uh, apprenticeships or apprenticeship type programs is really uh, a trend across all industries. And I think, again, KCA is in a really interesting position because apprenticeships, I know, have been a, a big part of this field for, for a long time. So leveraging the strengths that you all have in apprenticeship uh, type programs, I think is really powerful. So those are, those are some of the trends um, that we've seen kind of across the sector. And the follow-up to that then, Jesse, is, you know, what do you see that, that the construction industry can do to really help solve this issue for themselves? Yeah. So, or I should say for ourselves. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a multi-pronged approach, right? It's not, as you all know, it's not going to be one program or one grant that's going to solve, solve the problem. So number one, it's that old proverb, right? You know, go fast, solo, go far together, right? And it's all about partnerships. It's all about building a network of partnerships. Um, so if you are a construction company, you've got to be looking at building pipelines and pathways K through 12, career and technical education, community colleges, apprenticeship programs, take the multi-pronged approach, but it's all going to be through partnerships. You don't have to do it yourself. You can work with a KCA. You can work with a South Central PA Works. You can build um, a career awareness program with a K through 12 school in your region. That level of partnership, though, is what it's going to take. So I think, number one, it's building strong partnerships for pathways and pipelines into, into the industry. The second is I mean, it's it's a changing game out there in terms of young people getting into this, right? So if you if you just think having a Twitter account is going to be what the kids want, it's not, right? It's going to have to be very experiential. That just a quick note: I'm a millennial, so but I've got gray hair, so I'm not really sure where that places me in the whole idea of like the generational spectrum. But I can say that uh, having some experience with that, with you know Gen Z and the generation coming up is that they actually really want hands-on experiences. They actually want experiential learning. The idea that they're disconnected and they just want to be on their phones is, is actually kind of a misnomer. So the degree to which a construction company building trades can get into, can get young people with hands-on learning and experience it for themselves, that, that's really what they're looking for. That's going to take work. It's going to take bringing young people in for tours, for, you know, for hands-on learning, being able to take the expertise and translate it into something that's going to communicate for a younger generation, that's going to be a really critical part. And the last thing is that technology is disrupting so many sectors, including this one. And so being really aware of some of the, the changing technology and how that will disrupt the, the, the sector, I think, is going to be a critical part of that. There's just a couple sort of ideas, but it's going to take work, right? There's no easy pickings when you have more jobs available than you have people to fill them. So Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, apprentices and pre-apprentices. It seems like the past few years, there's, that push has really, really uh, kicked it up a notch. And, and you're seeing a lot more push towards apprentices to get that hands-on experience. Um, from, from your view, what are your comments on, on the evolution and the changing of the apprenticeship programs the past couple of years? Yeah, it's a... So I think the the idea of apprenticeships has really, it's very in vogue right now in a lot of other sectors, right? So in uh, IT and tech and healthcare are two fields that historically have not done a lot in apprenticeships, but are really trying to uh, move the needle there. 
I think the idea of apprenticeships is a really powerful one when it's combined with thoughtful pre-apprenticeship programs. Um, and John, that's exactly to your point. So the idea of pre-apprenticeship programs is you want to be able to provide a broad funnel of both sort of the coursework, the, the classroom work, the nuts and bolts, the how-to, as well as the hands-on experience in meaningful ways to young people in particular. I mean, it's for it's for anybody, but for pick, particularly for people choosing a career, they can they can learn quickly about whether it's something that they're good at and whether it's something that they want to pursue. But they're also incentivized by the hands-on experiential, you know, earn while you learn model of that, right? So for not ev- not everyone is going to be able to learn from a textbook in a classroom. So a really well-structured pre-apprenticeship program will have a big funnel that will provide a lot of input into that pipeline. And the weeding out that happens is actually a good and natural thing, but it's going to be, it has to be rigorous, it has to be experiential, and it has to be something that has a direct line of sight to an apprenticeship. Because that's the really important thing, because a lot, I've seen a lot of pre-apprenticeship programs start, but they lose sight of what the end goal is, which is actually to get, you know, a person into a registered apprenticeship program. So we're seeing a lot of trends with that. And it really is all about work experience. I, I don't know about you all, but, you know, I, I bet you were pretty young when you got your first job. Right, whether it was a W two job or whether it was you know mowing lawns or paper route, and and the idea is that a pre apprenticeship should be working like a work experience, right? So twelve years old mowing lawns in northern New England, right? That I wasn't going to start a career with that, but what it does is starts to build that work experience and it starts to to work those muscles, so to speak, for for young people in particular about what it's going to take to cut it in industry. So that's sort of the trends that we're seeing in pre-apprenticeship. And and I'm actually really excited about that because the move has been away from work experience and it's been moving towards, you know, sports and, and ACT prep classes and the extra violin lesson, all of which are great things. But for the 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds, sometimes they're not even getting their first work experience until much later than, than we uh, perhaps would. So lengthy answer to your question, I know, but there's a lot of really good things I see happening with pre-apprenticeships. Yeah. And Jesse, to add to that, I know out in Pittsburgh, Junior Achievement of Western Pennsylvania is starting to do the exact same thing that you just described. Starting with uh, you know uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, they have their they have various programs. But the big thing that they're working on right now is a is a skilled trades program that focuses on the seventh grade to ninth grader and introducing them, talking about the soft skills, and and basically, I, I'm just I don't want to rehash what you just said, but to your point. It's good to hear that, you know, what you're seeing in South Central Pennsylvania is also applicable not only to other parts of the state, but also other parts of the country and where that's going to take take the opportunity. Because I agree with you. I think uh, I see it with my kids definitely where they, they don't want to watch something or they don't want to – I shouldn't say that. They want to watch everything because everything is on their phone. But the aspect of actually understanding it before they do it. I think is is something that that adds to that experience component, and, and I, that's been something that I've learned, you know, as a father just watching. But enough about me and my family. Where do you see, you know, the pre-apprenticeship aspect of things going in the future? Like, how, how important? I guess let me rephrase my question: How important is pre-apprenticeship to a, an apprenticeship program, and then ultimately on to something beyond that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the pre-apprenticeship, so here's here's my honest take on this. And, and I have to say that to some degree, like my own personal opinions sometimes deviate from 
you know, what even the organization is, is doing, right? I mean, because that's just the way it works, right? So I personally believe that pre-apprenticeships should be broader and less formalized than they are right now. So there's a whole movement towards actually doing a registered pre-apprenticeship program. Now, I, I get it. And actually, there's a lot of benefits to that. But really, what we're talking about is, will this career be a good fit for you, for your skill sets, for your interests? How do we sort of figure out where, where the right career pathway is as early as possible? So to that end, pre-apprenticeships become massively important when they're broad enough that we're not excluding people from being a part of them. Really take the, the work experience, earn while you learn is the key, I think, to any workforce development strategy in any sector. So my opinion is that pre-apprenticeships, which is getting particularly young people in experiential learning situations quickly, is the key to building those uh, pipelines and pathways. That would be the same in this industry. It would be the same in healthcare and almost anything else. For, for the most part, we're seeing that the challenge is also getting into the high schools, right? So what you ideally want to do is 17, 18 years old start to incorporate in the classroom the type of learning that would be applicable on the on the job. That becomes a challenge with a lot of the the rules and regs that it's in public education, for, for better or for worse. So I think it's going to be creative solutions around that uh, will be really powerful. So I think to answer your question, I, I think that if we could double down on pre-apprenticeships, that would be an ideal situation as long as it's broad enough that it's not overly excluded. And I think getting into school districts and having that course, that, that classroom uh, coursework is going to have to be done in a creative way because it's not just a plug and play. You can't just take the coursework, throw it into the schools and hope that it works. So it's a, there's, there's a lot of work uh, to make that happen. On that note, what do you see, you know, shifting away from, from apprenticeship and pre-apprenticeship since the workforce currently is at a slow, if you will, or it's starting to increase a little bit in terms of the numbers in, in the in, in the workforce. But what can a company, what, what kind of contractor, what can an owner do in the short term? Because what, what we've been talking about up until this point in, in, in our discussion has been more, you know, younger kids. But but how can someone, a leader in a, in a, in a company, a leader in an industry help, you know, in the next, say, six to 12 months? What can they do? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. So I, this is where so the calculus of all of this is a challenge, right? And, and you're alluding to that. So if, if the reason I, I sometimes start with the demographic drought, you know, super low unemployment rates in this field, you know, not enough workers to go around, two jobs for every one unemployed person is because there are no easy answers to that question. But it's a really important one because that's top of mind for business owners. They're not they they should be concerned. We we should be concerned about three to five years down the road, but that's the long game. And that takes work and effort and a lot of investment. So what are we doing in the next three to six months? So again, it's going to be creative solutions. So we're seeing trends happen in a number of different variables, which back to Econ 101 make a lot of sense, right? So wages have gone up a lot. Wages are a proxy for a lot of things, including high demand, low supply. But also, it's it's not just wages. It's wages plus benefits, flexibility, the work environment. So, it, you know, and you can talk a lot about all of the secondary or tertiary items there. But really what it's about is uh, the changing nature of work and the changing nature of what workers expect. And obviously, with that high demand, low supply, 
a lot has been in their corner to be able to negotiate. So if you're a business owner, you're thinking about doing wage studies, right? Are we paying market rate? Is it competitive? Uh, what about our benefits? Are we losing potential candidates based on uh, you know, a benefits package? What about flexibility? A lot of this work is hard. You, know, you can't do it remotely, right? You got you to gotta have hands-on. But the idea of different ways to be, to be flexible, right? Is it sole proprietors? Is it crews? Can you do can you do different shifts? Like that sort of level of creativity needs to be looked at. Um, there are no, there shouldn't be any locked doors when it comes to exploring different ways to retain the workforce. The other thing too is um, retention and promotion, right? So again, these are all ways that you're thinking about keeping the workers you have and bringing in talent um, in a really competitive environment. You're going to have to demonstrate ways to have the retention strategies be, be really well articulated for, for your for your staff. Then, on, on, and this is the part that I don't like talking about. Then it's poaching, right? <laughs> then it's then it's stealing from each other, uh, and and that's <laughs> and that's unfortunately yeah, nobody wants to, no hear that. to hear that, right? And so maybe we'll maybe we'll edit that part out. But at the end of the day, um, that's it's happening, right? There's there's a limited supply. The pool is relatively small, and so it's you know how do we how do we get the workers we need to keep business going? So that's a long answer to your question, but it's it like that. Those are the three to six month actions that a business owner can take. Good stuff. We'll have to get that word out and spread those action items. As you mentioned earlier, I'm part of the SCPA Works Board. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me. And one of the newer members. I've really enjoyed my time so far. I think my favorite part on the board is when you do the CEO update and you start tossing out articles and stats and it just blows my mind some of the stats and the articles that you share. And I spend the rest of my day reading all this stuff and and then I'm, I'm emailing at the board members. I'm like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if it was you or someone else I read, but there was an article about uh, retaining workers. And I think since the pandemic, uh, construction is one of the better industries as far as retaining, retaining the workforce. And I think that goes back to your hands-on experience. So give people the hands-on, let them get a feel for the industry, and then they, they tend to stay. So. No, you're you're spot on. Yeah, actually, the retention rates in, in construction are pretty remarkable, actually. And you know, and again, there's so there's a, there's a lot to that. You also have you know a sense of I think construction has done a really good job at again changing the nature, the perceptions of some of the work. But also for for folks that are in construction, that is a you know they're, they're a lot of times they're lifers, right? They're in it, they love the work, they're good at it. And there's plenty of it. So once once they're in, they're in. But I also would say too, in light of some of the the investments, uh, was it the uh, you know, Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act? And I know that that's more you know, a lot of the infrastructure work, but it's still it this still has ripple effects across um, all of these industries or sub industries because there's going to be a ton of money poured in, and there just there aren't enough workers now. I'm not sure how if you drop the you know ten billion dollars of work into Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where you're going to get the extra work workforce to do that, right? So retention is is there in part because I think the work is there, the wages are there, and the the, the buy-in from from the workforce is uh, you get a lot of lifers, which is good. So yeah, all the, all that data done is uh, is is really really relevant to this conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Keep the good stuff coming. Keep the info coming. <laughs> Thank you. Something the KCA is working on as far as uh, reaching the, the veteran community, and Pennsylvania has a large. Uh, veteran community. 
uh, I myself being one. But as far as your activities, what what sort of uh, way do you engage the, the veterans and get them involved in, in your efforts? Yeah, it's uh, so we have a number of dedicated grant programs specific for veterans. So a lot of the a lot of the work that we do, you know, the the public part of the public private partnership is the public dollars are flowing in from the federal and state, you know, state governments. And so uh, one of the grants that we have, the, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, actually outlines veterans as a essentially a high priority demographic to serve. So in our PA Career Links, we are working with um, veteran representatives from the state to identify, hey, you know, who are the vets out there? How can we help them? What jobs are they looking for? And have dedicated case managers to, to support our vets in that way. And then obviously these dollars that are allocated for, you know, if you're a veteran looking for a job and you're unemployed, you come to the PA Career Link Center, you're going to have a lot of resources at your disposal to, to help you get a job or the training to get a job. So in a, in a broad level, John, you know, as you know, um, you know, we've got a lot of resources, but the PA Career Link, particularly for vets, is, is a really important demographic for us to serve. And with that, obviously, all the partnerships that get built, right? Building partnerships with the VA, right? Finding out where we can best serve that community uh, across our region. So it's important work. And um, as, as you've told me, John, that the you know, KCA vet connection is really strong. And that's, and that's a testament to the, to the great work that, that, uh, that you all are doing. So. And we're actually teaming with uh, PA Career Links as well when it comes to this area. So. And they are a great resource. They do wonderful stuff. Jesse, you mentioned just a couple couple minutes ago about uh, you know the investment in well maybe you didn't say this and I might be putting words in your mouth to be honest but you know like the investment in training and and really helping make that transition not only for veterans but maybe there's older folks that are are looking to get into into this industry and can, can you just talk a little bit about what South Central PA Works does in that training world and and how they help. That, that process, because I think that might be interesting for our listeners too. Yeah, uh, so it's a, it's a great question. So the, the ways in which that we're, we're primarily working would be to be able to, so we, we look at it in a couple different ways, right? So we've, we've talked a lot about the, the youth and, the, and pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeships in that way, building partnerships on that, you know, K through 12 CTE side, you know, older workers or more experienced workers um, a lot of times what happens is we're serving a lot of displaced workers, right? So workers that have been laid off, workers that, you know, their, their hours have been cut, company loses a contract and, you know, the, the work goes away. So what we're actually able to do is provide sort of two different levels of service. One is the more of a, a functional job search, employment search component of it, right? Where we're actually able to meet one-on-one with that worker, it's unemployed, displaced, and we go through the resume, interview skills, job search, right? All of that. Then also on the on the training and education side, if uh, a worker wants to go back to school, right? So upskilling, reskilling, refreshing of skills, we then have those essentially scholarships or those vouchers to be able to send them along the way. So again, back to my sort of where I started is what we're trying to do is find out from employers what they're looking for. And then take that information when we're serving that group of workers who are looking for that next job or that that reskilling or upskilling, you know, take the demand driven approach and then filter that down into the to the education program. So the short answer is that we have dollars 
uh, for scholarships or vouchers for workers to go back to school, um, getting getting the tr- the hands on training that they need for you know a business that may be looking to build out a more developed recruitment strategy. That's where that company could reach out to the PA Career Link. We would have one of our business service reps kind of be a, a consultant for the company, right? Talking through what are your needs, what are you hiring for, are your job posts on PA Career Link? If not, we can get them on there. If they are, how do we help? You know, maybe connect you to a job fair or to a recruitment fair or to a hiring event. So that's the business consulting side where we can work one on one with with companies, and kind of walk them through their you know, more of a comprehensive workforce development strategy. Jesse, this has been a really, really good episode and an opportunity to speak with you today has been, you know, thank you. I can't thank you enough. And and for those listening, just like John mentioned at the beginning, Jesse shared some insight in the in the most recent issue of the Keystone Contractor Magazine, which you can check out at keystonecontractormagazine.com. And we also have past episodes on buildingpapodcast.com regarding this topic and workforce development as it relates to the industry as well. So take a listen to that as well. And and Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Something tells me that we're going to have you back on and we'll be talking more and more into into a lot of this topic because unfortunately it's going to be a topic that isn't going away. Yeah. Chris and and John, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to be on the podcast here. Enjoyed the conversation and uh, looking forward to uh, uh, working with the team here moving forward. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have to bring you back because you didn't use any of your dad jokes. So save that for the next interview. Yeah, that was a teaser. That was, this is part one, right? A teaser. <laughs> there you go. Part two. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Thanks, I like Jesse. it. Well, thanks, Jesse. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.